I would say in today's climate on YouTube, just start today. Like literally start filming today. Start uploading as quickly as possible. It's gonna be, it's gonna take time to, you know, get views and have people find you. It's just like investing. Start as young as possible um, and keep at it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, coming in again from my home studio. Today's guest is the one and only Caleb Pike from the YouTube channel DSLR Video Shooter. With almost 500,000 subscribers and over a decade of experience on the platform, Caleb is really no stranger to the YouTube game. Posting a video every single week for the last 10 years has built a career and a following that has surpassed anything that Caleb thought was possible. The thing that makes Caleb stand out against other YouTube creators is the fact that he's always looking for little holes in workflows for people and finding unique and creative ways to use gear and technology in a creative way to actually help you be a little bit more productive with your workflow. One of the things that has always stood out to me about Caleb is the fact that he always is very thoughtful about the reviews and the tutorials that he puts on his channel. He's not always looking for what's popping in the industry. He's always looking in the nooks and crannies of the camera, gear, and tech space finding just the perfect little accessory or the perfect lens or the perfect camera in the price point that most people can afford and he's bringing to light equipment and tutorials that are really helpful and even if you didn't know you needed it once you see his videos often you're blown away and you have to have that accessory that he's talking about it was a real honor for me to interview Caleb in his home studio as again we're continuing to be in our quarantine positions. And before I get to that interview I just want to remind you guys to please subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcast and leave a rating and review if you haven't already. Alright without any further ado let's listen in on my conversation with the one the only Caleb Pike from DSLR Video Shooter. Alright so we're here with my good friend Caleb Pike from DSLR Video Shooter, all the way in, uh, you're kind of like near Chicago, right? But not really? Yeah. Yeah. What city is it? undisclosed okay. location in the greater Chicagoland area. <laughs> and uh, I take it that you are, you know, quarantining yourself just like the rest of us? Yes. I, I'm still going over to the studio um, just because it's really no one's there. Yeah. So it's like an extension of the home almost. Tell me but about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not really going anywhere, doing anything. <laughs> Tell me about that studio. That's a new development for you. I mean, rather new. Yeah, yeah. It feels like yesterday, but it's been getting close to a year now already. Um, but yeah, got a space uh, nearby, and it's uh, uh, the biggest space I've ever had the fortune to to use as a, a studio space. Um, so it's about a thousand square feet. We're looking at kind of expanding within the building, uh, maybe maybe adding some offices and whatnot. Um, but it's been great so far uh, to have a dedicated space outside of the home um, that's big and able to do more than just you know one set. Because as you know, video stuff just takes up so much room. Like I'm always jealous yes. of photographers where they can just have a pretty space, you know. Uh huh. <laughs> and uh, us video people, it just it gets chock full of stuff, and before you know it, you know, you're zero room for anything else. <laughs> it's so true, especially for the uh, style of content that you're creating. You're really striving for, you know, do teaching people how to set up studios, sets, lighting, um, audio, all the things that you would see in a Hollywood, uh, you know, or traditional film set but on a lower, you know, more indie scale. So I imagine you're always experimenting and just trying out new things. And I know that you're always messing with soundboards and bounces and all sorts of fun, you know, exciting things that we can talk about on the podcast. But especially for you, you want to have a lot of space to experiment and build all those sets, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that is definitely a huge part of it. And then also um, trying to create dedicated spaces for each stage of production. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like for instance, if I don't do podcasting, but there's a lot of YouTubers who do, and it's really hard to switch back and forth between shooting a YouTube video, having a dedicated podcasting space, a place to edit your videos, a place to, you know, l 
do different lighting setups and stuff like that. So yeah, it can get interesting real quick. Do you find yourself more productive having just kind of those like blocks of like, this is where I shoot. This is where I edit, you know, beyond the, the actual time, you know, aspect of it that you're saving time because of that. Do you like having dedicated spaces for certain things? Like, do you have a spot where you always edit or now that you have a laptop, do you kind of like to just float around wherever? Yeah. Um, no, I do like dedicated spots. Like I, I got a recent, you know, laptop recently, which has been awesome to be able to go back and forth, you know, work at home a little bit over at the office, but I still like, you know, like a grounded desk setup. Yeah. Um, I never been able to like, Oh, I'll just go edit on the lap on the, you know, couch or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's something about like, I don't know, you kind of get into this, these habits. Like for instance, when I go to bed at night, I don't do it, watch TV. I don't get on my phone. I literally lay down and fall asleep. <laughs> so like stuff like that. Right. So like I'm at yeah. my desk, we're editing or we're writing scripts, you know, Yeah. Um, trying to keep it. Not that there's a wrong way to do it, but for me that just seems to work. You know, yeah fairly well that that makes you a much more productive creator than me that's for sure so uh <laughs> the problem is then uh the temptation for me is you spend all this time like optimizing i'm constantly catching myself <laughs> yeah. like like this tripod doesn't quite get low enough now quickly <laughs> so what if i got a whole tripod just for this one thing and it's like no dude just take 15 seconds and rebalance the tripod you know so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's what makes you great. And that's why I have always loved your channel. And I mean, let's just start there. You've been creating YouTube videos for a very long time. You're you're almost considered like an OG YouTuber, if if you will. Tell us how long have you been on the platform now on YouTube as DSLR video shooter? Oh geez, it's what's haunting is it's been I forgot to tweet this and I keep wanting to like tweet it and make it a big, you know, post or whatever, but I keep forgetting. And the more time that goes by, the less <laughs> relevant <laughs> it is. But uh, as of February, 2020, it's been a decade of wow. doing, making videos for the internet, not necessarily on YouTube, but nine, 10 years. That's incredible. I mean, the DSLR revolution happened in what, 2008, 2009, when the 5D Mark II uh, kind of took over. So that means you yeah. pretty much started right what when the what was your first camera that made you call your channel DSLR video sh uh, shooter? What was your DSLR? Yeah, for me, I think I think we had the same camera, but it's the seven D. Yep, because That's... I was too broke for the five D. <laughs> and same then I made here. up all this like BS about how it was better to try to justify my purchase. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super <laughs> it thirty five. It shoots seven twenty p sixty frames per second, man. You and your 5D and your SAD 30? It had, yeah, it had 24 frames per second, and the 5D at the time didn't have that firmware update yet. So, um, yeah, That's right. Also, I must say, I love that little switch that it had, the photo video switch on it. That was really handy, too. Yep. So, but yeah. That, oh, that sound. <laughs> yeah. The... Yeah, yep, it was great. Flipping out of the way. Um, we're oh. showing our age, which is funny to say, because we're both... Cons you know considerably young uh youngsters younglings <laughs> but yeah uh, a lot of the people coming up like my uh my old shooter connor uh he started on a camera that didn't that had autofocus so he never learned how to focus manually so um there's a lot of people listening who may not remember or know of the 7d original um <laughs> but yeah that was a great time though it was really a fun moment to be around can you talk about that you know those early days of the dslr revolution and what kind of prompted you to start your channel yeah no it was it was really exciting like now is is stupid ridiculous like mm -hmm. literally anything that we talk about on our channels now is amazing it's gonna do mm -hmm. wonders it can just about, you know, make breakfast for you. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, when it comes to cameras, lenses, and all the tech we have and how affordable it all is. But back then, it was just, it was so new, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, go back to 2006, seven, and the only way you're able to get the look that we all like or we're striving for, which is like, you know, super 35 or 35 millimeter film, uh, you had to go to film school mm -hmm. or or you know, spend, I, I don't know what was available at the time. 
I think that I mean like digital the red one like yeah the red one was out sort of but it was still extremely expensive and um you know the Viper was a a cinema camera that a lot of people were shooting on at the time that was digital that you know they were limited to 1080p so um but no there was nothing it was there was no real way for an indie filmmaker to to have access and especially to own and operate their own equipment um on an indie or small budget scale um everything was camcorders i remember shooting on dv tape i mean everybody did right so that was yeah i was using a zoom as a as an effect um because it looked nice to to zoom in slowly Or doing that trick where you would like back up a football field and zoom all the way in if you had a nice zoom <laughs> lens on your camcorder to try to yeah. achieve some kind of shallow of field. Yeah. Like all the commercials in that era were all shot at like <laughs> essentially a 200, 300 millimeter equivalent yeah. to try to get something. And I think uh, Philip Bloom, if you're familiar with uh, this time period, really kind of came on the scene because he did discover, you know, a product before the DSLR revolution that was, uh, what was it, the lettuce adapter? It was like a little mirror box that you would put in front of your camcorder and you could put uh, SLR lenses on it and sort of emulate the look of a full frame but the camera itself would look like a bazooka it was this huge massive yeah. device that you had to have on rails did you ever get into that i was just about to when the 7d came along yeah. and i remember in like when i think og people i think people like philip like it's really weird when people you know i meet people and they're like oh you know oh whoa caleb like that's <laughs> you know ancient history you've been here forever the godfather it's like no dude <laughs> it's so weird um but yeah he he had the lettuce one which had to like flip the image and then mm-hmm. there was like a battery built in that you flipped a switch and it had to like shake this like perfectly made glass element that was sanded to a certain grit and all this crazy arc <laughs> you know archaic stuff so i was looking into the jag 35 solution uh-huh. which didn't have the imaging or the mirror whatever it didn't flip the image so you had to mount your camera upside down <laughs> onto it and like it's just ridiculous and then the whole you know nikon what is it the d90 the d90 was the first came out it was actually the first video dslr but they lose a lot of the credit because the 5d mark ii completely uh you know ate it ate its dust right so yeah yeah but so anyway, that's that's that whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, so jeez, but that took me back. I forgot about those for a second. <laughs> it's kind of fun to to think back on it, and um, I'm considering doing a a series of videos, kind of talking about these these. It's funny to call it older, uh, you know, nostalgic things for us. But it, it has. It's been t- over ten years since that stuff happened. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I was only sixteen, seventeen years old, and I was playing with all that stuff. <laughs> So, um, so crazy. So you started your channel, but you didn't really start, you know, from scratch, you were already creating videos and doing video production. Can you talk about your kind of life before YouTube as a, as a creator? Uh, yeah, it was, it, it started roughly around the same time. Okay. Um, when I first, so I guess to back up the reason I started making videos online about making videos was uh, I was wanting to go to film school, but didn't want to go, you know, hundreds of thousands into debt, which is kind of what it took if you wanted to do it right Yeah. Um, at the time. And uh, so I started kind of just self-learning, self-teaching, self-taught, using what I could find online, which wasn't too much. At the time, you actually were better off to go buy, like, cinematography books on Amazon Mm -hmm. um, to learn that stuff. And so I um, started playing with lighting because I knew, you know, that was important and I sucked at it. Uh, <laughs> and I've been doing, you know, videos from like middle school on. So just shooting all kinds of different stuff. And uh, so I started playing around with some lighting setups. I was living in my grandfather's uh, working out of his basement at the time. If you watch the early videos, you'll see this like wood paneling. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's the basement of my grandfather's house. Nice. And uh, I, I would shoot stuff, and at the time, this is how like 
long ago it was, it was like kind of a new thing to upload HD videos to the internet. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, it was, you were like the bee's knees if you could put 1080p up, you know, uh-huh. you saw the little HD icon pop up on Vimeo is super exciting. <laughs> so I would just upload what I was filming and uh-huh. uh, threw it up there, just kind of, you know, play with that whole process. And then people started asking questions about things. And so I just started making follow-up videos and, um, I had a web, I had a web background, uh, before that doing blogs on various topics. Um, and, uh, so I just whipped one together, dslrvideoshooter.com. I was like, SEO, man, DSLR <laughs> video that's blowing up right now. Um, and, uh, then it just slowly, 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 slowly <laughs> grew from there. <laughs> so the, the decision to name yourself, the DSLR video shooter simply was SEO. <laughs> yeah yep. um and at the time it seemed you know appropriate no one knew that mirrorless was going to, to dominate <laughs> no i mean it's but, you know tr- it's going to be something else eventually too i think uh what was it uh newsshooter.com used to be called dslr news shooter right or something or dslr yeah. shooter i don't remember and then there's and then there's cinema 5d just hanging on white knuckle in it <laughs> and eos HD. love those guys <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess that's exactly. still relevant because Yoss cameras, but he never seems to really talk that's about true. Canon. <laughs> yeah, or you know HD. Now you could say that's way outdated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's hard when you've built a you know a brand and a name around that. Have you considered doing anything that you'd like to share here with that, or are you just gonna stick with it? Yeah, no, I can talk about it. I I about every year have kind of a mini panic attack like should i change it is now the time if i wait too long is it going to be too late but um nino from cinema 5d his his wisdom echoes through my mind every time and it's just it's just a name it's just a brand yeah there's all kinds of stuff on especially on youtube of people who had really wacky names when they first started their channels (laughs) and like obviously the right move right now business wise is to like name like change it to caleb pike or whatever yeah. But uh, it's just a name. Everyone, yeah. everyone knows it. If anything, yeah. just kind of, I need to amp up like my name alongside it. Sure. So people, you know, well, I can see that. But I can relate to that. I mean, I host a channel called Kinotika, but my name is also Dave Mays. So, you know, I'm I'm in that same boat, and I promote both names equally, if not Dave Mays more than the other. Honestly, right. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, and that's smart. Like, if I think if um, unfortunately I waited to start seriously thinking about it. I waited until like, you know, the consequences of, of a dip in views would be too high for me. Sure. So, but yeah, if you're, uh, depending on timing and how your brand is, you know, monetized, yeah. there's definitely some, it's a hundred percent something you should consider. Yeah. I think Nino's right. It's just a name. Um, I mean, the biggest YouTuber on the platform is named PewDiePie. So <laughs> there you go. If you really, it, we, we, Which, you know, it's funny. What? Uh, we started our channels almost at the exact same time. Oh my gosh. Wow. It's amazing. Not, not that to say like, Oh, how did he get ahead of me? Cause he's, you know, he's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, it's a, a broader category, but it's just, it's just funny. Like, yeah, you think like they've been on the platform forever, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> So you, you were going to go to film school. Um, you didn't, um, you started your YouTube channel as you were growing your commercial freelance, uh, business. What, like, what did you think about YouTube? Was it kind of a side project? Was it something that you saw as a career opportunity? I mean, 10 years ago, did anybody see it as a career opportunity at all? Like, why were you even doing YouTube 10 years ago? Um, no, I, I wish I was smart enough to be like, yeah, I was like planning and it was going to be my whole, I was transitioning to full time at year, whatever, whatever. But, uh, it was just fun and, uh, I enjoyed it. And I was, you know, in that, that lovely time when, you know, when you get into something and it's new and you're crazy excited about it, it's all you can think about. Um, and that was that period of time for me. Like I was like filmmaking, Oh my goodness, lenses, you can put them on the camera. That's incredible. There's so much to learn and adapters and all this crazy stuff. Um, so it was just it was just uh, a hobby. Um, and I did have, you know, the web it, it was it started out more as a blog 
tied with uh, Vimeo back when Vimeo was awesome. Yeah. Not awful. <laughs> um, and at the time, Vimeo was like actually had an amazing community. You yes. got tons of comments. Um, and it was just wonderful. So many people wanting mm-hmm. to learn and support each other, create creatively and all that. Yep. Um, I was I was on it at I was, that time. I was a, loved it. I yeah. loved Vimeo. And I was actually a, a YouTube hater because I was like, eh, yuck. You know, it's... <laughs> It's, it's just not – there's not a lot of filmmakers there. The video quality isn't as good as the Vimeo player, which now you can barely watch a 720p video on Vimeo. Have you tried to watch, like, Vimeo, like, watch it actually no. recently? Not really. It's awful. Hopefully they're not a sponsor, but you know what I mean. It's no. just, woo. I'm sorry, Vimeo. I still use them so, for private links sometimes because I do like the password. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so, so that's where it kind of started, and then I ended up kind of moving toward YouTube because uh, I realized one day, like, I hate writing, like writing <laughs> blog posts and articles. Yeah, same. And I was trying to keep up with all the news, and it was just it was starting to pick up. It wasn't like one camera every other year like it was back in the day. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make videos. That's it. And I'll post them on my website with a little blurb. That's it. And then I, that's when I really switched over to YouTube. Okay. Uh, hardcore. So I'd been on the platform, but it was not really. It was just another place to post videos at the time. But so, so yeah, I posted there. Um, and I'm trying to I, essentially all my web work, web development, and commercial video stuff started to. I just started to slowly close it down and switch to kind of a 50 50. And then uh, I think in 2015 or 16 was my last paid video gig like wow. i'm paying bills with this uh mm-hmm. gig and then i kind of hung up the uh freelance hat after that that's awesome do you like do you like that do you like not having freelance work or do you feel like the uh you know there is a a, a cool side to doing freelance and that is you get to travel you get to maybe experience other things i know yeah. for me i've i've stopped doing freelance as well and part of me does like, ah, you know, I kind of miss doing who knows. Like I would just get a random call. Like, Hey, can you go shoot this thing? And it's like, I, I never would go yeah. do that unless I got hired to do it. You know? Um, yeah. Or do you, do you like being, yeah. being home more and having the control of the studio environment and your own content and yeah. all that? There's definitely pros and cons to each. I think it's a necessary evil if you want to succeed at one or the other. So, a lot of people have asked me like, oh, I'm, you know, wanting to get more into YouTube, but I don't, you know, there's a lot of people for a long time were like, I'm not doing it. I'm not quitting my day job or my, my freelance, you know, video work to pursue some kind of YouTube career. Uh, but in my opinion, unless you have a lot of money, um, yeah, I don't think it's possible to do both well. Yeah. One of them will suffer or both won't succeed uh, in a big way. So I just that's why I ended up going full time on on YouTube. Mm. At the time, I felt like a kind of a cop out because um, over the years I've transitioned from more like narrative, you know, cinematic filmmakers to more YouTube content creators. Um, and I, I did a poll a couple years back and had no idea that eighty to ninety percent of the people watching were other YouTubers. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> filmmakers and all this kind of stuff. Uh, which was kind of a relief. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I still, still, so I definitely miss it. And there's something to, you know, keeping that discipline up of working with a big crew, um, dealing with clients. But at the same time, all of that can be awful. So yeah. uh, I would love to get to the point where we're able to fund our own projects. Like they're real projects, but they're not for a client and we're funding them. Uh, kind of like Film Riot. Yeah. But even Film Riot, man, I love those guys, but uh, I just wish they made more content. And they just, you just can't make incredible, pour your soul into it projects and do weekly or bi weekly, you know, videos. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Ryan Connolly from Film Riot, he's, uh, he's been around about as long as you too, right? I mean, he, he was along with Corridor Digital and all those guys in the early days of all that. What was it? Uh, not Divergent. Uh, Divergent Media. Right? Digital Rev. DigiRev. Yeah, Digital Rev TV yeah. with uh, Kai. Ooh, that takes me back. Kai Wong, um, who is still, you know, out there cranking stuff out on his own channel now. And um, who else? Freddie Wong. Um, 
And then Shane Hurlbut had, he, he wasn't really a YouTuber, but he was like on YouTube all the time back then. Um, yeah. And then of course, Philip Bloom. Yeah. It's, it's fun yeah. to, to think back on those, those early days, but, um, making that transition to YouTube, I can really relate to that. And I think, uh, people who are listening to this, who maybe want to become YouTube creators, or maybe they are self-aware enough to realize that they don't want to become a YouTube creator. Um, can you elaborate more on, on why you feel like you can't do both? Uh, cause I, I've interviewed people who, who are trying to do both. Um, and I, yeah. I, I have friends, you know, Jevin Dovey, who we've interviewed on this podcast. He, he still does yeah. uh, freelance as well as run his channel. Um, but yeah. I, I know for me, it's been a real challenge, at least in my brain to kind of do both things. Um, can you elaborate on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess like it's totally dual. You can do it. Um, I found as someone who you know, I wanted I wanted it to do really well or as well as I could have it do, and uh, it just took. I was finding it was just going to take, you know, cutting off all production or massively reducing it so you can invest that time um, to, to help it grow. And, and I think the thing that was difficult for me too, is, um, uh, for me creating content for other filmmakers and other people who are video, you know, critical of the video quality, you have to pour a lot more in, you know, if you mm -hmm. just want to make, you know, do run a YouTube channel, you can totally do that while having a job or doing other freelance work. Uh, but something has got to give, right? It's got to be your quality, um, you might have the same, you know, laptop, desk, microphone, not a lot of B-roll. You know, there's going to be things you have to give up. I've always been jealous of streamers who can just enjoy <laughs> just a game and turn you know, it on. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's it. No editing. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that's what it was for me is the, to keep up with the quality and the and to keep going, right? Because yeah. if you're if you've got a family and a job, you know that's that's really taxing to come home or spend your weekends working on it. So it's got to be something, you know, sustainable. Totally. Um, cause as you know, there's all kinds of people who just vanished mm. going back to those talking about the, you know, the OGs. Um, it started with just like, there was, I could think of four people when I first started, there were like four people in the industry making content like Vincent LaFerre, Philip Bloom, uh, Shane Hurlbut, uh, the Cinema 5D guys and like New Shooter, I guess. And then mm -hmm. a couple other people were starting channels and starting to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of built it up and then they just poof, disappeared. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to do this forever or as long as, you know, it, it can be really hard to do both. So yeah. that's why I chose to to just stick with YouTube. Not th to say that you have to do it that way. No, but yeah. For me to not like be working 24-7 and, you know, be able to sit back with a drink and hang out with the family after five, you know, it had to be yep. one thing and I chose YouTube. That's awesome. Yeah. I totally agree. Now when it comes to quality, um, that's a topic that I think we can, you can go into the weeds on when it comes to YouTube. Um, there is, mm. there is like in our niche that we're in as photo video, uh, creators on YouTube, there is kind of a level of acceptable quality that is probably higher than every other YouTuber genre. <laughs> um, and that, right. and that doesn't go along with the subscriber base. So even if you have 20 or 30,000 subscribers, which is a very respectable amount, but still in the compared to, you know, a food channel that has 3 million subscribers. It's not as many, right? The food channel might have a lesser production quality and it's totally acceptable at that scale with 3 million followers compared to a 20 or 30,000 subscribe based video photo based, uh, YouTube channel. Um, I know for me, I get comments all the time. Why isn't this in 4k? Your audio is bad here. You know, I noticed this cut here is off. You know, it's like good grief. Right. And it's because obviously we're making videos for video makers and, and photographers and people who are in the industry. So, of course, they have a critical eye. Um, 
And you look at people like uh, Marquez Brownlee, uh, Jonathan Morrison, Austin Evans, Linus Tech Tips. Um, of course, they're they are at a high scale, so they they can't afford crews and and whatnot. But even then, they they are probably shooting more than they need to in terms of you know they're shooting on a red 8K for YouTube. Yeah. Why is it that the tech camera space? It, it seems like there is a higher level of production that is kind of the acceptable quality standard compared to literally any other YouTube genre. You look at, you know, makeup tutorials, food stuff, comedy channels. It's almost like the more scrappy it is, it feels more authentic and relatable. I mean, even PewDiePie, his his content is not very good either. And he can afford a crew. Yeah. I, I think in a way it's actually intentional. It's intentionally scrappy to look kind of relatable but at least in our demographic it seems like that is not the case <laughs> yeah and and you're asking why why is it that <laughs> <Yeah>. way <laughs> why i want to just shoot on my phone <laughs> i don't know i i guess it's got to be um like like dang it philip bloom you ruined it for everybody <laughs> with your high quality you know a roll and and all this kind of thing um I think it's just one of those things that over time people are like, oh, this is what you do. Like, it's been really fascinating to see what people have because, okay, let's back up a second. When I was starting, there was no one else trying to make regular content, you know, like regular, regular, like once a week or whatever uh, content about this stuff, especially on the budget end. There's a lot of guys talking about the kind of higher end. Uh, and now there are thousands and thousands of channels uh, covering stuff we cover, right? Yeah, it's insane. You can't you can't keep up with them. I remember three years ago, I felt like I was able to kind of like, okay, here's a new kid on the block, you know, rocking his you know filmmaker stuff, awesome. <laughs> uh, but now there's too many. <laughs> you know, have you seen on your YouTube feed just like some yeah. completely new person who's like really good and talented? Yeah. There's so many. I uh, I I don't know if you saw Gerald Undone did a collab with a bunch of YouTubers during the quarantine. Um, it was yeah. like a workout video and yeah, it was awesome. Were you in that? I'm sorry if I don't remember. If no. You were, okay. I, I, uh, I was talking to him about it and then, uh, my back went out. So I literally oh, no. <laughs> okay. I could walk it much was a... less like lift sandbags. <laughs> Although that, that would have been kind of funny to see you in a wheelchair, I guess, but, uh, I'm sorry yeah. for your back, there. but no, there is, there no, is a, right. there's a handful of creators in that, uh, video and I didn't recognize them and they were great. They were so funny. I was like, who is this person? Oh my gosh. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I think the, um, it's the, the word has gotten out it. I've, I mean, the kid, yeah. the, the filmmaker kid that's up and coming that you saw three years ago, that was me. So I'm glad that, you know, that worked out <laughs> and you remember me, but, uh, <laughs> even I started three years ago and it, it, it already feels like it's been forever and things have changed so much in just yeah. three years. Yeah. And, and what's. I know we're kind of on a rabbit hole, so hang in there with me, people. There's a point. But uh, it's been interesting watching all this change and see these trends. Yeah. Like uh, the 120D with a light dome. You know? <laughs> I think people get it in their head that after a while, this is what you do. Uh -huh. You get a 120D with a light dome, boom, you've got your YouTube light. Done. Don't even think about it ever again. Never change the angle. Nothing. <laughs> uh, you, get a, you get an EOS R or you get an M50 or you get an a7 III from sony uh -huh. and boom check and like and like <laughs> even i'm not saying this is the reason you picked that microphone but that microphone the s s m 7b yeah yeah like that's the podcasting microphone because like of if you're uh, going to make a podcast <laughs> joe rogan yeah h3 h3 <laughs> and totally, h3 yeah. yeah there's so many yeah i mean like that's i like what to, you get and so i'm wondering if yeah. oh go ahead I, I was just I have to back myself up. You're putting me on the on the spot here. My dad's a yeah, sorry. <laughs> my dad's a music producer and he's owned this mic forever and he always taught me this is the best mic in the industry. So I, I have yeah. a history with it. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no. And hundred percent like people don't remember that microphone has been around for a long time. Mick, yeah, Mick Jagger recorded like uh, on it. Yeah. The Rolling Stones recorded on this yeah. mic. Yeah. That's why the preamps are so bad. Yeah. I have to use so the, the cloud lifter on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So like there's a reason, you know, it's still good stuff, but there's the kind of this trend, I think. Yeah. Like right now we're in this like, 
I think I bet you there's a ton of kids out there, or I say kids, but you know what I mean. People, yeah, up know, and coming into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Where like they see everyone making this content, they're like, all right, I need this, I need this, I need the RGB lights somewhere in the background, like, <laughs> and so there's just kind of this standard. Yeah, um, and that that's maybe why. Long story short, that's maybe why we're seeing you know the quality requirements seem to be so much higher. Yeah, because yeah, I 100% am with you. It's kind of like it's, iPhone. It's become a baseline of like everybody is on this equal playing field. The the big channels and even some of the smallish channels, and uh, it's a yeah. that's one of the great things about this technology and the fact that it's so uh, easy to buy a Canon M50 for four hundred dollars and you get better image than you and I got on the 7D ever. You know. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's it's yeah. very exciting for anybody starting out. Um, yeah, but anyways, that's kind of just a tangent, I guess. But um, it is an interesting note, and I, I think about it often because I feel like my standard of quality as a gear reviewer is much higher. And if I just jumped over to an entertainment-based channel, I could get away with much more. <laughs> so Yeah, um, that's true. So... Let me ask you uh, a technical question. Do you use editors? Do you have an editor that edits your videos or do you do everything yourself? Yeah, I have one employee, uh, one one full-time employee, and uh, that person uh, is my kind of studio manager slash assistant editor. Um, so uh, she will take all the footage, uh, kind of take over from after we stop recording to write up until creative editing takes over. So importing the footage, creating camera archives of all the you know footage, make sure it's all backed up, um, kind of prep the edit, cut out everything down to you know the meat of the video or the A-roll, import and create selects for B-roll, kind of line things up, create shot lists, and then uh, I usually take over when it gets to that point where you need to start cutting big chunks out if you have to or... Um, placing you know b-roll in certain places and then i do the the uh color correction and and grading um so that helps tremendously because it cuts out just some of the really time-consuming stuff yeah that's that's amazing i mean how long have you had an editor like that or had somebody like that to help you um let's see 2018 i think fall of 2018 was when uh when we got that ball rolling um and then the other part of the job description is kind of full-time picking up after me. Because <laughs> as I'm sure you know, like if you're doing this, you make huge messes, you know. You get yeah. a couple new cameras in to like test. You're opening boxes everywhere, building rigs and there's screws and tools all over the place. So yeah. dead batteries. So I just kind of like, there's certain areas where I put things uh-huh. that uh, mean they need to be put away. So there's like certain surfaces <laughs> that like I'll just pile up with stuff because you run out of time. Yes, yeah, you true. run out of time. There's only so much time you can put into this it's thing. True. And so trying to figure out what's eating it up and try to eliminate that stuff. There's one thing that I, just through our conversation already that I've noticed it's it's all about efficiency for you. If the light stand literally makes you lose a couple of seconds you want to get rid of it and find a new light stand that helps you save 10 seconds or yeah if you can hire somebody to help you clean up because you need that time to to work uh rather than waste it you know putting it back in the box and organizing it and whatever then you'll do it you know and i think that yeah that actually it's not anything i i think it's actually because you love your family and, and you want to be respectable. You want to respect your time at work and be home with your kids and stuff like that. Is that, am I, am I onto something with that? <laughs> no. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a part of it. Um, I think it's a couple different things like to keep up production mm-hmm. quantity, you just need time. And so trying to like the other day, uh, this is an interesting little thing to do. Um, is to figure out what your hour rate is, uh huh, and that, and depending on what comes out at the end of that equation, it really makes you think hard about what you're spending your time on. Yeah, <laughs> like for me, I work I work nine to five. That's my 
I just take normal hours. I know it's really boring. Yeah. You know, oh, you work for yourself. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, but uh, I just work nine to five. And so I've got those hours to work with. Um, and if it takes me two days or three days to make one video uh-huh. uh, and then run the business with the rest of the time, that's not a lot of extra time no. to kind of grow and make more content. So it's the family thing because I don't work out of those hours and outside of those hours. Yeah. It's uh, having more time. And then, um, you know, when you're thinking about the quality of that time, I only want to spend it on, you know, tasks that improve quality or make the videos better, or make more videos, or I do include time for like just stuff I enjoy, mm-hmm. you know? So if, if researching vintage lenses is something I enjoy and it's, you know, involved in a video, I'll give myself that time. Cause I think that's important. Otherwise you see these YouTube channels that are just, they're slaving away and there's not much enjoyment anymore, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, that is one of the most popular topics on YouTube right now is burnout, YouTube burnout. You've been doing this for a decade now. I assume you just gave away your secret on how you don't get burned out. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I definitely think nine to five is a big part of it. Because mm-hmm. um, if, you, if you rewind to those early days where it was just all you could think about, right? If you're like me, you know, you just spent every waking moment researching, learning, uh, testing, filming, all this stuff. Um, that That isn't sustainable. You're going to get bored of certain things. Like I'm yeah. super over editing, really <laughs> over it. <laughs> so uh, if I could like completely not be a part of the editing process or at least, you know, be a part of only 5% of it. Yeah. That would be awesome. Uh, or sound. I'm really sick of just setting up microphones and making sure it sounds good. You know, <laughs> I just really over that part or the business side of it. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff. So, um, finding a way to, you know, offload that. And then, and then the nine to five thing is critical because what happens is five o'clock rolls around, you're fired up about something and you want to keep going, Yeah. but you're going to have that little packet of joy when you hit work again the next day at, at nine. That's a good um, point. So... I'm interrupting this podcast with Caleb Pike to briefly tell you about the Basecamp Mapbox system. Now, right now, there is a special limited time offer for this Mapbox system. If you go to polarpro.com and purchase a VND kit, you can actually get a full VND for free, a $299 value. The six to nine stop filter comes free if you buy the VND kit for the Basecamp Mapbox system. Now, if you're not familiar with what the Basecamp Mapbox system is, let me tell you about it real quick. It is a super lightweight Mapbox system that is designed for the modern filmmakers out there that are running and gunning, that are out in the wilderness, or they're shooting on a gimbal, or maybe just want a super lightweight Mapbox system instead of having a super chunky one that you're used to having in the cinema world world. But one of the most amazing things about this system is the VND configurations that you can have with this map box. You can have a 2 to 5 and a 6 to 9 VND filter that unlocks full light control without having to change any filters. Our map box is the lightest in the industry at 298 grams. The entire map box is 100% tool free from installing on rails to removing the hood. Basecamp is optimized for fast paced running gun filmmakers. The map box comes in a two-stage system, so you could use Indie in addition to Diffusion to give you that really cinematic look. To learn more about the Basecamp map box system, go check it out on our website at polarpro.com. All right, well, let's get back to the interview. See, I'm learning from you yeah. too, because I'm kind of like, the way that I work is so, it's not healthy. It's like, I'll have these huge bursts of, creative inspiration and then i just go until and my wife is like hey when are you going to be done with work i'm like i don't know <laughs> I, I literally can't tell you i right, yeah. i can't even begin to explain to you at any point when i'm going to be finished i'm just going to go until i'm done i don't know it could be two hours it could be five i'm I'm not sure <laughs> yeah um and i totally get that and i think you can i think you can untrain or train that like the people who are like oh all my inspiration hits me at 2 a.m ah i think you can totally train your body to do have that at 10 a.m 
you know, it's just patterns. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there will be moments of inspiration and like my system is you got to have Evernote or something to capture that Mm -hmm. and save it for later. And often it'll wear off and you realize actually that was a crappy idea or I was just (laughs) excited about something and it was, it's going to be a waste of time or whatever. Yeah. But it's, it's like sleeping. It's like eating, you know, like those, I used to never eat breakfast and now I get like nauseous if I don't eat (laughs) in the morning, you know? That's true. Yeah. So if you're on YouTube, that means you're, you're on camera. So in a way you are an actor. Is that, is that true? Are you a performer? Would you call yourself a performer? I wouldn't. Um, I've never, uh, like if you, if we're talking like right now yeah, and then we turn off the cameras and you walk through my door right now, like there's not going to be a huge change. You know, there might be a slight volume difference. Um, same with my videos. Like I, I've never, uh, turned on or off certain things. Okay. You know, like I, I like to think, or at least I've been told when I'm talking to people at NAB on the show floor, it's pretty similar to what you'll find in my videos. Um, not to say there's anything wrong with a little theatrics, <laughs> but I've just never been able to bring myself to do that. Um, <laughs> Who are you talking to so, right now? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there's I, nothing wrong with that. And I love that. And I, there's certain <laughs> channels where like, I wish I was more X, Y, Z. I wish I was like funnier or, uh, well, I don't know, better with words on the fly. But. <laughs> no, well, that's the thing is I think if you're, getting started on YouTube, don't overthink it. Just be yourself. Like I've always been a total nut and I was a magician for six years and uh, lit that is a performance. I, I was on stage and performed for, for people. Um, and in a way I was an actor playing the part of a magician because nobody actually is a magician. Spoiler alert. Um, so, but then when you look at you or you look at um, Marquez, you know, he's, He's the same too. Every time I've met him in person, he's he talks and acts the exact same as he is on camera. There's n- there's no on or off button for him or for you. It's just you are who you are. You're educating. You're a teacher. You're a filmmaker. That's that's who it is. And you just happen to be on camera while you're being yourself. It's not a performance. But um, but you got the flip side of Kai. You know, Potato Jet. Um, there's plenty of others that we could list too that are in other niche uh, niches too, but um, they're performing, you know, they're, they're, but they're also teaching and educating and you can do everything, everything that's natural for you. So, um, yeah, Jordan, Dr- Although I will say pot- oh, potato ahead. jet is actually pretty the same in real <laughs> life. I think. Yeah. 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 He's the best. Well then guy. maybe that's, maybe that is it then. Right. Just be yourself. Cause Kai is also goofy and, super outgoing as well in person too. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, just be yourself. So that sounds so lame. Um, but it's true. It's true though. (laughs) Um, so I put out a a quick little AMA on uh, Twitter. Um, Jordan Drake asks, does Caleb miss me? (laughs) (laughs) Always hundred percent. Jordan Drake is of, um, the the originally named uh camera store tv and now they're on dp review tv um they would be considered chris and uh, jordan are a part of that kind of og crew for sure yeah oh yeah 100 percent um smartest smartest camera person i know i would say yeah i, I was at one event with them where they're doing their thing. It is crazy to see them in their element. And like within minutes, he was finding stuff that like would have taken me months of having the camera <laughs> with my, it's amazing. Love that guy. Well, um, that, that brings me to one of my favorite things about you. And that is the fact that you do find these little nuggets with, with pieces of gear. You also find gear that a lot of people maybe not ha- have even considered, um, why is that? Is that just a fascination for you to to explore and to discover these types of little nuggets? Because sometimes the the topics and the the things that you review and talk about are not searchable things. It's not like I'm just gonna 
I'm looking for these like $20 vintage lenses that you can buy on eBay. Like nobody's searching that. Um, right. But you're, you're, once you show it, they're sold out everywhere. (laughs) 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 I'm sure like these random companies all the time that are no name companies, you do a review and then like for one or two months, they're like, Whoa, we had like this crazy spike in sales all of a sudden for this $20, like, uh, bolt that like, why is it that 4,000 people bought this screw? (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) The, The most satisfying for me is when, um, I'm researching and I come up with like a combination of things to make something else. Yeah. And then later I'm like going back to buy more of a part for whatever uh-huh. reason. Uh, cause I kind of catalog these things like, Oh, this one thing for this light mount is like the best. You can use it for so many different things. Maybe I need another one. So I go to buy it and like it shows an Amazon, the combination, like other people bought all these things together <laughs> and they're like exactly like the thing I did in a video that yeah. always feels good. Yeah. I mean, the, the most popular thing that I'm seeing right now is your brilliant, uh, rolling stand camera setup. It's like a C stand on wheels, which you've done multiple iterations of C stand on wheels combinations, uh, You've done. Right. <laughs> I can't get away from it. <laughs> you've done uh, what your boom mic on it. You've done lighting. Right. Uh, you've done uh, a light with a with a flex arm on it. You've done audio uh, sound panels with it. And now I'm seeing. I had a friend in Nashville who who made the whole setup, and he texted me. He's like, "Look, I did the Caleb Pike camera setup." I'm like, "Oh, sweet man! <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> it's so cool." And it. it I mean. It, can you talk about your fascination with just all the little doohickeys and gadgets and how you come up with all these brilliant little combinations? Yeah. If, if I could only do one thing, one part of the process, the, what I do, the whole process start to finish, it would be that, that finding a problem or coming across a problem and coming up with it, you know, for that problem, the perfect solution most optimized, most affordable to quality ratio. Like I love that stuff. Yeah. It's coming up with like kits, you know, like, like I love when, when someone's like, I have, you know, $27,302 to spend. (laughs) How do you get the most out of that for a specific application? It's not very like searchable. That's probably why like over 10 years, I've not seen the growth of other, you know, content creators doesn't matter man be you do you man i love that stuff yeah exactly so for me it's a lot of self like problems like uh man wouldn't it be great to have like an entire youtube studio at a desk or on a rolling stand and um and then if i think it's something that either a i'm really interested in figuring out or b something that could also be very helpful to other people um i'll just kind of go for it so i've and i've also kind of had this i've always had this like yuck feeling when there's like the same combination of things used by everybody yeah. just because it's the name brand stuff. Yeah. So ugh, every time I see like a Joby with a <laughs> Canon DSLR or mirrorless with a, a 16 to 35 and a Rode video mic pro on top, like that's just makes me sad inside. And there's a reason <laughs> it's popular. It works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I've always like, there's, there's other stuff. There's so much out there, especially now. Yeah. Remember when like you could only buy 15 millimeter rods from like four places on the internet? Oh yeah. That was it. And now there's like hundreds of brands, all kinds of different materials. It's crazy. I remember, I mean, you mentioned Jag 35 earlier in the video. That was the only company yeah. that I bought a lot of that stuff from because it was the only affordable option at the time. Yeah. But now and it- I love that now like so a small rig came out, right? However many years ago. Yeah. And if you're honest, if you're honest, they started kind of, you know, I love them. And I'm, I'm just, this is kind of an analogy. They sort of ish started ripping off like wooden camera. Yeah. Who had these brilliant ideas of like compact cages and things. And then what's hilarious is now there's like 15 other companies ripping off small rig. <laughs> go on Amazon and search for, you know, a cage for an A6600. And yeah. there's like all these other companies now. <laughs> it's crazy. I forget, like, I remember when cages started becoming a thing and they were always universal and now they're so, Mm. I mean, it makes sense why they do it. It is nice to have a cage for a specific 
uh, camera because it's it's more compact. But I will say, if you're trying to save money, it's actually better just buy a universal cage because all the cameras are the same size now. If you just buy one cage, you'll essentially yeah. have the same cage forever. Um, obviously, you lose uh, out. The flip on... side, they're so cheap now. <laughs> they're disposable. Some of them are like forty bucks. Yeah. No, they're or just sell them with the camera. You know, they can. I've seen them as low as twenty, thirty bucks for certain cameras. I mean, unbelievable. It's really ridiculous. Um, and you know, I, I've talked to the CEO of Wooden Camera about it, and it's obviously a very hard thing to run a business as an American, uh, when those companies are ripping you off and what are you going to do? You can't, you really can't sue them. If you do, it's just a big pain in the butt. So you kind of have to out innovate those types of companies if you're an American company. Um, yeah. So And, and Ryan and those guys, like they, it is unmatched. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, Oh, why would I buy the aperture 120 D when I can buy the Godox SL 60 for almost nothing? Like when you actually hold both in your hands, you, you, it all, makes sense same with wooden camera their stuff is unmatched like those little knobs that you use to tighten that ratchet yeah a wooden camera one will last daily beatings for 10 20 years yeah. whereas the smaller one's going to give up well you know. the one universal cage that i have that i was just mentioning is a wooden camera uh universal dslr cage and i use it all the time um because it fits on every so camera that i have and it doesn't matter what camera it is so Anyways, yeah. so to get back to the uh, some of the Twitter questions that I have, um, Jake is asking, thoughts on iPad Pro editing? Any thoughts on the iPad Pro? Hey. Um, it's exciting that there's a keyboard that's really fun and a trackpad. Um, I've never been like I – mean, I'm sure it's going to be awesome and amazing, and the, the hardware is definitely getting there. Uh, I've always been like – I need like a desktop. I want a mouse yeah. and a keyboard and the whole Monty big display. Um, and if that can replace a laptop someday, which I'm sure it will, yeah, then hundred percent. But, but I'm old school. I'm weird. I'm not <laughs> like, you know, sitting at a coffee table with my laptop hunched over out. giving your neck. I've got like, horrible. I gotta have like my server connected to 10 gigabit, you know, my whole <laughs> setup needs to be in place. Well, while we're on that topic, can you, Tell us your setup, your how, what you edit on, and um, you know your workflow with that. Yeah, yeah. So I switched to using the 2016 MacBook Pro, the 16 inch. I'm not 2016, the 16 inch. Um, and then that's <laughs> I connected. Say, <laughs> I downgraded to the 2016 <laughs> model. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. I used yeah, to the, have an iMac, the 16 inch MacBook um, Pro. It's a great computer. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. So far, it's handled everything I've thrown at it. Um, that's connected over a Thunderbolt to 10 gigabit card to a way too complex to get into setup that I'll someday do a video on, but it's, <laughs> it's a, a Mac mini 2018 Mac mini server with 48 bays. Not all are populated yet. Kind of in the testing period of this ridiculous setup. So it's just a monster raid essentially. Um, that's awesome. And then, uh, me and my assistant can connect to it and work on videos at the same time that's All great final cut it so is it just as fast as uh i mean it's over ethernet so what are the speeds on that if you're that's super fast uh, it's right? 10 gigabit ethernet so it's it's up to a thousand megabytes Jeez, yeah so that's so it's it's you know you can with enough drives you can get way faster than an ssd uh, and there's other options to go beyond that if you want to get up to 40 gigabit which now you're talking 4,000 megabytes a second. Wow. So for both of us, we each get like five or 600 if we're working on it at the same time. Yeah. Dave Andre, uh, Dave Andrad, sorry, Post Color Gear asks, how is he feeling about the status of YouTube in 2020, both as far as it has come from when he started and the pandemic and its effect on views? Ugh, I... I don't know, man. It's a timely one right now, obviously. Every, every, yeah, every major empire in the world has come down at some point. (laughs) (laughs) But as it stands, like, I think all this stuff, it's just like the stock market. I've told people that in the past. Like, if you're going to do this, just buckle in, pour yourself a drink, and settle in. (laughs) Yeah. Keep making videos, consistent uh, quality, stay true to yourself, like we talked about. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to be fine and it might take a longer time now, but who knows? 
you got to keep at it. Don't don't you know flake out just because there's something scary happening. Yeah, totally. Do you think people? This is me asking. Should people still consider doing YouTube? Is it still worth it to start fresh, or should people look at TikTok and Instagram and other platforms that are maybe newer and maybe have a better chance of getting a foot in the door? Yeah, I think you should. St- Start whatever platform makes the most sense for you. So if you're doing really short text-based snippets of humor, then maybe look at Twitter or something like that. <laughs> um, but but just whatever is most appropriate, and you got to stick with it. It's like buying a stock. You know, if you're yeah. buying and selling all the time, jumping on the newest thing, you know, you can try it by all means. But you got to pick one thing. And the beauty is, when you build an audience, you can take that audience just about anywhere. You know, yeah. if people are smart enough. If YouTube blows up and implodes one day and if you have a website or they'll find you so the main thing is quality consistent content and playing that long game and yeah i agree i agree and i think you're a a testament to that 10 years and and going strong (laughs) i'm quitting tomorrow (laughs) i'm throwing the towel in (laughs) Uh, at Reese the first asks, what was the most surprising piece of gear in 2019? And most surprising, you can include, uh, the first couple months of 2022. If, if there's something that really surprised you, um, it's been kind of quiet. Like obviously the R five is looking to be quite interesting, but it might not be, who knows? We've got to wait and see. <laughs> yeah. Um, nothing's really blowing my socks off right now. It's just mm-hmm. all very good. Yeah. Um, I can't think of one thing like the arc two. I've done a lot of content on. I love that thing. Motion control system. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, what's funny is if you went back in time in a time machine and then you showed them what we have now, just five or six years ago, it would knock your socks off, but our socks are getting knocked off every day with, with everything. It's becoming, I mean, the Fuji X 100 V a small point and shoot camera that's like 1200 bucks or something has the ability to shoot 4k 10 bit. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, uh, it's, we're very spoiled for sure. Um, Oh yeah. So to kind of summarize this whole thing up and, uh, and give people a nice little nugget at the end here. Um, what are some inspiring words that you like to give out to, to, to creators who want to do what you're doing? What's, What's kind of the main thing that you like to recommend to people who, who ask you, I want to do what you're doing. Um, mm. What are some value? I mean, you've, you've shared a lot of them already in our conversation, but just to kind of put sure. it all into one little nugget here, what's your words of wisdom yeah. from, from Caleb Pike? <laughs> okay. Well, let me, let me think about this. Um, I, if we're talking about YouTube and, and making a living at that, um, I, there's a lot of people that ask me like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about starting a channel or I'm, I'm going to start a channel next year or whatever. Um, I would say in today's climate on YouTube, just yeah. start today. Like literally start filming today. Start uploading as quickly as possible. It's going to be – it's going to take time to, you know, get views and have people find you. Um, it's just – it's I keep saying it, but it's so true. It's just like investing. Start as young as possible um and keep at it you know keep making videos if like i'm writing a a course for like a massive like content creator survival guide small plug yeah (laughs) i can't wait i want one uh, i want a copy i'm gonna buy it (laughs) nice um i'll get you a discount (laughs) please (laughs) yeah yeah and so the, the 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 whole overarching thing is you gotta just the most important thing is so boring and that's to put in the work and make videos and do it consistently once you have that figured out, then you can focus on quantity, quality, um, getting that stuff sorted out. And I, I honestly think everyone should try YouTube at some point. I think it's good for a human being to make videos on YouTube because you, you learn about yourself. You learn uh, all kinds of very valuable things. So I think it's worth it for everyone to try it. Um, and, of course, you can quit down the road if you need to but or want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. That's you gotta start there. Quality isn't as important starting out. Um, it's so easy to get good looking stuff now too. I know. Back when I started, there was no 120D. There was no light dome. We had Home Depot lights or 
airy lights. Like that's those were your two options. And f- and iPhones and, uh, didn't even three. shoot good video at all back then either. So that's the other yeah. thing is yeah, you can buy an iPhone 11 right now and it looks incredible. It's amazing. No, it's ridiculous. It really is. So that's probably what I would. That's great. Recommend and wonderful. I agree with with that too. And I think again, you're a testament to that. You've been at it strong for 10 years and. Um, one thing that we didn't really talk about that you just mentioned is the fact that you also uh, make courses on your, on your, um, what's the website called again? Sorry. Uh, it's academy.dslrvideoshooter.com. Yeah. So definitely check that out. You've got some incredible courses on different cameras. Um, and we will definitely be looking out for uh, the ultimate YouTuber uh, pack <laughs> or whatever you're going to call it. <laughs> what are you going to call it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I should include YouTube or not. Yeah. But Content it's mainly creator. just going to be, uh, yeah, it's all about workflows and kind of the thousand foot, we'll get down to the nitty gritty too. But yeah. everything essentially I've learned from the last 10 years and mm-hmm. yeah, step by step making videos, all that good stuff. Well, thanks again, Caleb, for being on uh, the Golden Hour Podcast. It was a pleasure having you on, of course. Um all the way from 2018 when we met at NAB. This feels like forever ago, but it also feels like yesterday. Time flies. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, pleasure, man. It was a blast to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah. Everybody go follow Caleb Pike on Twitter at Caleb Pike. And of course, subscribe to his YouTube channel if you don't already. DSLR Video Shooter. Thanks again, Caleb. We'll see you around. Thanks, boss. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Caleb Pike. It was a real joy for me to interview Caleb. He's a good friend, and it was really interesting to hear his viewpoint on being a YouTuber. I've never heard anybody reference being a YouTuber like owning a stock in the stock market, and I love that viewpoint, and I love that angle on everything. It really makes you think a little bit more long-term about what you're doing, and it can kind of give you a little pause and not be so stressed out about chasing views and chasing numbers if you're a content creator out there on the internet. I know for me, I can often find myself wrapped up in numbers with this podcast, with YouTube videos, and it's important to realize that everything that we're doing is like owning a stock in the stock market. You're going to have highs, you're going to have lows, and goodness gracious, are we all facing a lot of lows right now, but hopefully this podcast was a high during this crazy time out there. I would like to ask that you guys would please just continue to stay safe out there and know that this show is continuing to go on every single week on the Colton Hour Podcast, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that as you're home in this quarantine situation, you have something fun to listen to. We've got another amazing guest lined up for next week. It's actually Kai W, who we actually referenced in this podcast a couple of times. So again, make sure to subscribe to hear that episode. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast, and we'll see you next week.